Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brighton Krumah. Reverend Brighton Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. Arise and shine. Why don't you stand to your feet for a moment and let us pray. Let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful and thankful tonight. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you have shown us. We thank you, Father, that even whilst we were yet sinners, the God of gods, the King of kings, you lay down your life for us. We are grateful, Lord, for all the sacrifice you made for us. We are thankful, Lord, for considering us and calling us to be partakers of your mighty kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you give us the grace to remain in this kingdom in the name of Jesus. Tonight, Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us of your spirit to minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands together for Jesus as you take your seats. And tonight I want to conclude the message that we've been sharing for a long time. We've been sharing this message for many weeks about the good work that God has begun in you. The good work that God has begun in you. Um, we shared this message. We have shared it for several weeks. And today I want us to conclude it. And I believe just the week before I left, I was sharing with you about the biblical rules for giving. The biblical rules for giving. Amen. So we talked about some few rules as far as giving is concerned, as far as God is concerned with giving. We talked about a few rules. And I just want to just go over this quickly and then we will conclude our message. So we said that one, we give according to our income. We give according to our income. We read a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 17, if you can quickly help us. Uh, well, why don't we read our foundational scripture? That's good. Why don't you leave it? Let's read our foundational scripture first before, as we are concluding our message, let us look at our foundational scripture in Philippians 1 and verse 6, saying, let us read it together. Do we have it? Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, being confident in this very thing that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. 1, 2, 3. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3, go. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1, 6. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. So this has been our foundational scripture. And from this scripture, we have shared so many things, so many areas that God is doing a good work in our lives. And we came to this last portion where we're talking about the finances, where God is doing a good work in our finances. And in order for God to complete the good work in our finances, we are also talking about God's way of giving. That giving forms a very major part of our financial progress. Amen. Amen. As far as God is concerned. Now, that is, not, that is not the wisdom of the world. That the wisdom of the world, as far as prospering is concerned, it doesn't talk about giving away. Hallelujah. But as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, giving forms a greater part of your prosperity. Amen. So we, uh, we shared the, some of the biblical rules of giving. And we are saying that so many people believe in giving, believe that when you give, God will cause you to prosper. And they have given and given and given, but they have not prospered. And it's because many people also do not know about the biblical way of giving. Hallelujah. They don't know about the biblical rules of giving. And so we give in a way that we do not receive. Hallelujah. So we said that number one, we give according to our income. Give according to how much God has given to you. And we look at the scripture in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 17. Let's look at these things quickly and then we will move on. It says, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he had given thee. So that is how you ought to give. According to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he had given thee, your giving should match the blessing how God has blessed you. You cannot give the same way that everyone else is giving because God has not blessed us equally. Amen. So this is something that we ought to note if we want to give biblically. If we want to give to please God, then he's advising us to give according to the blessing with which he has blessed us. Amen. Amen. Number two, we said, we should give discreetly or give without a show. Give discreetly or without a show off. Don't give discreetly. So we read a scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Matthew 6 verse 1 to 4. Quickly, we said Matthew 6. Is it 6? We read Matthew 6, right? Matthew chapter 6, it says, Take heed, take heed, be careful that ye do not your arms before men. That means don't give to show men. You see, because when we are giving, what you have to understand is, as far as giving is concerned, men will take from you. Do you understand? Men will take from you. So your giving is not to please men. It is, your giving must please the one who will give back to you. The one who says, when you give, I will give back to you. Because if I give to you, you are not giving back to me. In fact, the Bible says, if I give to you and you give back to me, that is not a blessing. Do you understand? 
But man, God will cause, God will give to you. And so when you are given, he says, take heed that you do not do your arms or give before men to be seen of them. That, is, that should not be your purpose. That should not be your mindset when you are given. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So it's not every giving that comes with a reward. The giving that is to show off to men, it doesn't come with heavenly reward. The giving that you have in mind that men will see, it doesn't come with a heavenly reward. Number verse 2, he says, Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet. When you give, don't blow out a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Do you see? That your aim of giving is to have glory of men. He says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward already. There's no heavenly reward. And then verse 3, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Amen. 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 So that is should be your goal for giving. That your goal for giving is that it should be in secret, and your father who seeth in secret, he's the one that will reward you openly. And when he rewards you, then men will see that you are blessed. That is when people don't understand where, and then they think all kinds of things because they see openly that you are blessed. You are prospered. What they don't know is that you have given secretly. Amen. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. So we shared a lot on these things. The third one, what was the third rule? Give freely and willingly. Give freely and willingly. That we say that when you are given, one of the things, one of the conditions for giving or one of the characteristics of a godly giving or a giving that triggers heavenly blessing is that there's a willing mind. That you have a willing mind. Do you remember 2 Corinthians 8, 12? That there will be first a willing mind. So everything must be preceded. Every form of giving must be preceded by a willing mind. You should have a willingness to give. Don't give under compulsion. So any form of giving that you feel feel under compulsion, you are giving under compulsion, it does not come with a blessing. Are you learning something? That these biblical rules, if you follow them, that is when you receive blessings. That is when you receive back when you give. He says, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man had, and not according to that he had not. The next one, what did we say? Give with simplicity. Give with simplicity. Romans 12 and verse 8. Give with simplicity. Romans 12, let's read verse 8. Romans 12 verse 8. He says, or he that exhorted on exhortation... He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. This is a biblical form of giving. That when you give, do it with simplicity. Don't make an announcement. Don't let's celebrate it annually. You know, after you have given, we have to be reminded an annual celebration of the giving. You know, it's an anniversary. This is the, this is the, 
This is the second year. This is the second anniversary since I gave you this thing. And that we have to be reminded and to receive many thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. There are some people when they give, they want you to remember and remember and remember and remember. You know that you have to thank you. didn't say thank you. The way you said thank you was not nice. You know, you didn't really say thank you properly. You didn't call me to say thank you. You know, it's not, it's not the kind of, you see, it's a, it's, a, it's a worldly type of giving. And that you do your arms before men. You receive your reward from men already. What is the next one? That's it? Well, the next, let me give you these ones and then we'll move on. Number five, give regularly. Give regularly. You see, don't give once and say, oh, but I gave last week. <laughs> give regularly. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. It says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God had prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, every first day of the week, which is what, in our case, what is it? Sunday. So if you gave last Sunday, don't say this Sunday I'm not giving, but I gave last Sunday. You ought to give every Sunday, every first day of the week, give. Let everyone lay aside something to give to the Lord. Can we read from the Amplified Version, please? The Amplified Version says, when I, and when I arrive, I will send on those whom, oh, Verse 2, please. It says, on the first day of each week, let each one of you personally, do you see? Each one of you personally. It's not my husband has given, so. Hmm? It's not because my wife has given. It covers for us. It doesn't cover for. Let each one of you, each personally, you know, there are some people, when the husband has given, he says, oh, you see, the two shall be one. Or the wife has given. Or your friend has given. You understand? But the Bible says, let each one. He says, on the first day of each week, let each one of you personally put aside something and save it up as he has prospered in proportion to what he is given so that no collection will need to be taken after I come. So if we do this type of giving, then you realize that we don't need to announce and ask and, you know, plead and beg and all kinds of things. Do you understand? But every week, everyone, every week, everyone. Do you have the contemporary English version? The contemporary English version. We don't have that. I'm sure we do. Somebody has that? Yeah. Do you have it? Read it for us. What does it say? It says, that is each Sunday. Each Sunday. Each Sunday. That is each Sunday. Each of you must put aside part of what you have earned. You see? 
Each Sunday. Not one Sunday and then some of you, when you don't come one Sunday, you have piled, you say, thank God I wasn't in church. Hmm? Thank God I wasn't in, or you were late. You were stuck in traffic and you came and they have given the offerings. Oh, you pocket your offerings. True or not true? I know things. Each Sunday, let every one of you put aside. Each Sunday, each of you must put aside part of what you have earned. If you do this, you won't have to take up a collection when I come. Yeah. Is it each Sunday? You come each Sunday. Each Sunday, then we will have money to pay for our things. We have money for this. Each Sunday, each one of you must, each one of you must put aside something. Each Sunday, each one of you must put aside something, a part of what you have earned. A part of what you have earned. Hallelujah. So, we must give regularly. And the next one, we must give cheerfully. Cheerfully. And I will add this one, number seven. Also, give bountifully. Give bountifully. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Give bountifully. Are you being blessed? Yes. Are you learning the biblical way of giving? Yes. You must give regularly. That is what the Bible... Do we believe in the Bible? Yes. That is what is teaching us how to give. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Amen. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So when you are giving to God, the Bible says he loves a person who gives cheerfully. The kind of Giving that makes God bless you or that pleases his heart or that triggers heavenly reward is the kind of blessing, is the kind of giving that is a cheerful kind of giving. So you should give cheerfully. If you are giving and you are not smiling, don't give. If you are giving and you are murmuring under your voice, don't give. Because it is a waste type of giving. You have wasted your money. I'm serious. You see, we are not just interested that you give. Or God is not just interested that you gave something. But he's interested that you give cheerfully. And when you give cheerfully, he blesses you. He says, it is that which pleases him. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a person who gives with a smile. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, next time you are giving offerings, smile. Amen. Give cheerfully. And then verse 6, we read the previous verse. It says, when you sow, you say, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
So when you give sparingly, you you reap sparingly. So God's investment, if you want God to prosper you, then you have to give bountifully. Amen. Now, bountiful giving, it is not giving beyond what you have. He says you should give according to how much God has blessed you. Do you understand? So your bounty is the blessing that God has given you, and your giving should be in proportion to that. Amen. Amen. You see, when you want people to give to you, you want, to, you want them to give to you bountifully. Isn't that so? You don't like when people sow into your life sparingly. But you like to give sparingly. You know, when it's someone's birthday, you don't give. You give something small. But when it's your birthday, you expect the person to give you something big. That is not fair. Amen. Okay, we can't say certain things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so the final thing, well, two more things that I want to share with you before we conclude this message. The other area, as far as your finances is concerned, God wants to deliver you from stinginess. Amen. Stinginess. Amen. Is it a good message? <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many of you are stingy? No one, you see? One person. You see? Stinginess is not a pleasant thing. Do you understand? To say to someone or to say about someone. It's not nice for someone to tell you that you are stingy. So in order for this message to be effective in your life, let's all assume that we are stingy. So that it will work. Do you understand? So that it will work. So another good work that God is doing as far as our finances is concerned is delivering you from stinginess. In order for God to increase you or prosper you, you need to be delivered from stinginess. Stinginess is the unwillingness to share or to give or to spend possessions or money. The unwillingness to share, to give, or spend possessions or money. That is stinginess. And like I said, it's not a pleasant thing. Okay, so let's all assume that we are all stingy. We are not willing to give. We are not willing to share. We are not willing to spend. Now, this is not about husbands. Do you understand? It's not about husbands that, you know, my husband is stingy. Or it's not about men, you know. Because I, I understand also that women can be stingy. <laughs> Is it true? Or women are not stingy? <laughs> Many women are stingy. So this is not about, you know, we don't direct the message to husbands or men. Women are also stingy. Now, stinginess is different from frugality. Okay, they are not the same. Stinginess is not the same as frugality. Being stingy does not imply that you are frugal. 
Okay? Stinginess is being reluctant or unwilling to part with money or to help someone else in any way. That is stinginess. Whereas frugality is spending with wisdom. When you spend with wisdom, that is frugality. That is a person who is frugal, who applies wisdom in his expenditure or in disposing of his goods or possession. That is frugality. Now, stinginess is the opposite of generosity. Okay? Someone who is generous is someone who gives freely and such a person considers giving as a, an activity of pleasure. When someone is generous, giving is pleasurable. It is a pleasure to a person like that to give. But when someone is stingy, giving is a discomforting. Giving brings him pain. When he parts with what he has, it's painful experience. That is a stingy person. But a generous person gives with pleasure. Amen. Amen. The God we serve, he's a generous God. God is a generous God. And anyone who is godly and has the semblance of God must also be generous. Are you with me? Now listen, the reason why stinginess is important and has a direct correlation or relationship with your prosperity is because there is a law, a biblical law, that relates with your giving and your receiving. Do you understand? That is why stinginess is important. God has to deliver you from stinginess in order for you to prosper. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, the Bible says, Give. And it shall be given unto you. Give, and it shall be given unto you a good measure. Press down and shaking together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Give, and it shall be given unto you a good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. He says, for with the same measure that ye met with all, it shall be measured to you again. So there is a direct correlation between your giving and your prosperity or your receiving. There is a direct correlation. So if you are a person who lacks the ability to give, then you are counting yourself out of God's blessings. That is why God needs to deliver you from this curse of stinginess. It's a curse to be stingy because it is a, a, a pathway to poverty. Amen. If somebody understand what I'm sharing with you, it is a pathway to poverty. When you are stingy, you are cutting yourself from God's blessings. Amen. See, the kingdom of God is upside down too. The kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God is opposite the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of the world, it will teach you, for instance, that if you want to go high, aim high. Isn't that so? Aim high. 
and then you go high. Set yourself high. Sell yourself high. Dream high. Do you understand? Lift your head high. That is what the world teaches you. But the kingdom of God is opposite. The kingdom of God, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, the kingdom of God is opposite what the world teaches. It says, but he that is greatest among you shall be a servant. That is the kingdom of God. Now, if you want God to bless you, you have to accept his rules in his kingdom. You have to, your life should conform to the kingdom of God. If you want, if you seek the blessings of God. He says, he that is greatest among you, he the servant that is within you. Now, that is not what the world teaches us. Then it says, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall be abased or shall humble himself shall be exalted. That is the kingdom of God. So in the kingdom of God, if you set yourself low, God will elevate you. God will set you on high. So when you give, it's as if you are going down. It's as if you are losing. But in the eyes of God, he's setting you high. You don't understand. That is why when God wants to bless you, he has to deliver you from the worldly wisdom. He has to set you free from how the world has taught you, how you have thought about prosperity. God has to deliver you. You, 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 you think when you keep and keep and keep, that is how you prosper. But tonight, God is delivering you from stinginess. Amen. God is delivering you from stinginess. Because God's supernatural way of increasing you or prospering you depends on how much you can give. That is how God will prosper you. God will prosper you or increase you through your giving. Hallelujah. So anyone who is stingy, anyone who has difficulty with giving, you are losing on God's way of blessing. You are losing on God's prosperity or God's supernatural way of prospering you when you have difficulty with giving. Hallelujah. Now, there are various reasons why certain people are stingy. There are various reasons why people are stingy. Sometimes, it may be a result of your family background. Okay. Sometimes it may be a result of traditions. Or some tribes where you come from. Or even from the country that you, have, you live or you come from, that will make you stingy. For example, if you take two countries like England and America, England and United States. How many of you have lived in England before? You have lived in England. Yeah, there's some few people here who have lived in England. You see? So, you will notice that you will notice that Americans generally are more generous. They give more than the English people. Do you understand? Those of you who have lived in England, would you agree with me that Americans give they are more generous in giving than the English? 
Okay? And it's not surprising that America is a prosperous country. Do you understand? So if you live in a society like England for a long time, it is likely that you become stingy. <laughs> are you with me? Now, not to say that there are not generous people in England or not stingy people in America. Like you people. You, you, are li- you live in America. <laughs> <laughs> but tonight God is delivering you from stinginess. Is it true or not true? Yeah. So stingy people, one of the reasons why they are stingy is because they overvalue giving. Stingy people overvalue, they place too much value on giving. What is parted, what goes out of them, they place too much value on it. And it becomes difficult. They overprice what is going out of their hand. Whatever goes out of their hand has such high value in their eyes and it becomes difficult for them to give. Stingy person finds giving as a great loss. Do you understand? It's like a great loss. You have lost so much if you give. And it makes it difficult for such a person to part with. Amen. Amen. Now again, I want to remind you that stinginess is not the same as frugal. It's not the same as frugality. Because frugality, it involves being wise in your usage of things. Being wise in your usage of things. A stingy person finds it difficult to give away. You see, but sometimes a wise use of what you have, a wise use of what you have, means giving it away. Sometimes it's a wise use of what you have. It means giving it away. For example, you see, if a frugal person has a car, for instance, that he doesn't need any longer, someone who is frugal, someone who is wise in his expenditure, that person will give the car away. Do you understand? He will give the car away if he doesn't need a car anymore. But you see, a stingy person finds it difficult to give that car away. And a stingy person will rather keep that car and pay insurance and pay registration and pay to store it in a garage. And he doesn't need it. Do you understand? So a frugal person is wise enough to part with that. But a stingy person does not see the value of what he is even paying, but he sees so much value on what he's given. That give a car, a car, that's too much to give. He would rather pay for a garage and keep the car in a garage and pay for insurance and pay every now and then to go and clean it and pack it back in the garage. You see, so that is not practical. Is it wise? So a frugal person uses or disposes of his goods wisely. Amen. A stingy person always measures the value of what he is given and it brings him such discomfort. It brings him sometimes sleeplessness 
It brings him agitation. It makes him anxious. When he's given anything, he places, he values the thing that he's given. Amen. A stingy person always takes into account what the alternatives can be. Do you understand? So if a stingy person is giving out something, he thinks of all the possible alternatives that that thing can do. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. For instance, if a stingy person wants to say, give you $20, for instance, he will think of what the $20 can do. <laughs> that the $20 can buy him a shirt or buy him a skirt. You know, instead of giving it to you, it can buy me a skirt or it can buy me a pair of shoes from Payless. You know, at least. Do you understand? Or a stingy person would think of, you know, this can reduce my rent by $20. You see, so you place high value on what you are giving. And it makes it difficult for a person like that to give. Amen. So, a stingy person, whenever he's giving, say for instance, he wants to give you a computer that he doesn't need any longer. He will rather try to sell it to you instead of giving it to you. Are you with me? I say God is delivering you from stinginess. You see, I'm teaching you something because there are many of you who think like that. You would think that instead of giving it, I can sell it. I can sell it and get something. Do you understand? But what the stingy person doesn't understand is that what God will give you, if you will give out, is a whole lot than what you will get from selling the thing. Amen. Oh, say, I'm delivered from stinginess. Yes. And sometimes, you see, you find this kind of behavior among certain groups of people. Hmm? You find this behavior among certain groups of people. Generally speaking, I mean, there are some people that say that, for instance, Nigerians are more generous than Ghanaians. Is that a true saying? Some people feel that Ghanaians are generous, Nigerians are generous. They give. They give largely. And Ghanaians are difficult in giving. And even within the Ghanaian, in the, in, in, within the Ghanaians, <laughs> they say that there's a tribe that is more generous. There's a tribe that gives more generously, is they give large. And there's another tribe that is popularly known to be stingy. Is that true? I didn't say anything. So go and ask and investigate. But tonight, God is delivering you from stinginess. I say, God is delivering you from stinginess. Hallelujah. And finally, finally, God will teach you, God will teach you not to hold on to what he gives to you. God will teach you, in order for God to prosper you, hello, amen, in order for God to prosper you, he will teach you not to hold tight onto what he gives you. You see, when you see, not so many people are able to handle prosperity. 
or not so many people are able to handle success. Do you understand? And God's giving in any form is success giving. Do you understand? And sometimes when God wants to bless you in a certain area, he will withhold something from you in that particular area. Do you understand? And then he will make you like hunger for it or make you pray for it, seek after it, and then he will give that thing to you and then he will want to take that thing from you to see how you will let that thing go. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Genesis chapter 17. We, want, we will not have time to read all of this, but um, I just want to give you certain background to this story. The Bible says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the almighty God, Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. Hallelujah. So you see, this is the promise that God gave Abraham. Now, the Bible makes mention of how old Abraham was. Abraham was 99 years old when God made these promises to him. Now, if you are 99 years old and you don't have a child and God comes to make all these promises to you, you look around and you cannot find or see the, the blessings coming in any direction. Do you understand? So now, these promises God has made and so Abraham is looking forward to God bringing these promises somehow. Obviously, he needs a child in order for God to make him a father of many nations. And he doesn't have any. And he's 99 years old. So you will see that as you read on, God will appear to Abraham making certain promises to him. He says in, if you read um, verse chapter 18 and um, say verse 9. It says, These angels came to him and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto, unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Do you understand? The manner of women was to have menstruation on a monthly basis. 
And the Bible says it ceased to be with Sarah. So the ability to have menstruation means that you are ovulating. That means you still have eggs. Now Sarah has stopped ovulating, in other words. So the Bible says it, she ceased to, be the manner of, to have the manner of woman. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. You know, she knows her body. Do you understand? She knows her body. So she laughed within herself. That the angel, you know, sometimes, you see, when you know your situation and certain prophecies come, you laugh. And you say, Reverend, you don't know. You see, as for this one, are you with me? You see, you say, you don't know. Because you look in your body and you look in your situation. And sometimes your situation, you have not shared it. Do you understand? You have not shared it. And so when a prophecy comes and we say that this is going to happen to you, you say, I've not told you this. You wouldn't have said this. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So Sarah looked in her body. She knows what is in her body. She knows she has stopped ovulating. So when the angel said, you are going to have a son, she laughed. She said, this angel is not real. This angel is not from God. Because he would have known that I have even stopped ovulating. And it's impossible. It's impossible for me to have a child. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So the Bible says, she laughed within herself, saying, after I am wax old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. That means even Abraham has stopped activities. He has stopped certain activities. He said, my Lord is old. There's no pleasure. is down. Do you understand? He says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? He said, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That means there is no condition, there is no situation in your life that is too hard for God. There is nothing that is too hard for God. What is impossible in your mind and in your heart, it is not too hard for God. Hallelujah. So whatever situation that you are in, what you have to ask yourself is, is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, now there will always be time appointed for what God wants to do in your life. And the Bible says, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I love not. (laughs) For she was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. Amen. So you see, this is the situation that these people were in when God had made all these promises to them. Amen. And so finally, God now gives Abraham a son. Sarah bears a child. Chapter 21, the Bible says, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah 
as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Amen. And Sarah said, God had made me to laugh so that all that here would laugh with me. Look at now, they are rejoicing. They are happy. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. You see, like you do. If God blesses you with a child that you are looking for so much, you have a great feast. You will celebrate. You will be happy. You will call all of your friends. And that is what Abraham and Sarah did. Now look, chapter 22. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And I want you to pay attention to these scriptures that we are reading. He says, God did tempt Abraham. You see, God will, when God wants to bless you, when God wants to multiply you, he will tempt you in the area where he wants to bless you. Because you see, not many people are able to handle blessings. There are many people, when God blesses you with a child, it takes you away from him. There are many people, when God blesses you with a good job, a, a lot of money, it takes you away from him. You don't serve him as you would. If the job was not there. Do you understand? So sometimes God, the Bible says, and it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son. And I want you to listen. He says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Because you remember, Abraham now had Ishmael, who was an accident. Do you understand? And who brought a lot of confusion even in the, in the home. So you see, if God had asked for Abraham to sacrifice one of his sons, who do you think he would have chosen? <laughs> no, who do you think he would have chosen? Ishmael. Ishmael. And that is how you do also. When God wants you to give him something, you take what you don't need. You give him what you don't need. You give him the day that you don't need. But the day that you need for your time, you will not come and give it to him. You give him the, the bill that you don't need in your wallet. But God is saying, you see, I'm teaching you how God wants to bless you. And God is saying, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. So when God wants to take from you, he will take what you love, what you like, what you admire, what you cherish, what is precious to you. 
He says, take now thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah. You see, that is why I'm reading. When we read these things, you appreciate it. Mount Moriah. You see Mount Moriah. You know? <laughs> yes. You'll be there. I say you'll be there. You'll be at Mount Moriah. Amen. And go there. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. That is a mountain at Mount Moriah. Amen. And Abraham rose up early. He rose up early. Now that is one of the things when God wants something from you, you have to do it early. You have to do it quickly. Amen. Some of you, when you pledge to the Lord, it takes you a long time before you fulfill the pledge. And some of you, you don't, you don't even fulfill the pledge. True or not true? But in, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Just don't lose this. You can listen. Ecclesiastes, or you can put it up for a moment. And then we come back to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Do you understand? So when you make a vow, when you pledge to the Lord, he says, don't defer. Don't put it off. Don't change it. Don't say, oh, I said next week, but oh, I forgot. I'll bring it the following week. Don't let us be chasing you. He says that when you do that, God sees you as a fool. He says, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay, not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. So who are fools? The one who pledges or makes a vow and does not fulfill it in time or even fulfill it at all. He says, God takes no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou shalt, thou vowest. Amen. Amen. So when God called Abraham, in this, it says, when God asked for Abraham's son, he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. He didn't make discussions. He didn't say, let me think about it. Let me pray over it. Do you understand? Let me talk to my wife. Because if he had talked to his wife, it would never would have come on. If he had talked to his wife, this wife that is 90 years old and had a child, and you are taking the child that... Cecilia, what do you think would have happened? Sarah would have called all the relatives to come and talk to Abraham. That something has come on his mind. I think the man has gone mad with this God that he's following. Call Reverend. Reverend, you need to come to this house right now. Because what is happening here, it makes no sense. Is somebody understanding? But the Bible says he rose up early and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Which place? Mount Moriah. When you go to Israel, you see it. 
Mount Moriah. I'll show you some pictures later. See, now you appreciate all the places. Hmm? Ilona, right? Yes. He says, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. I am, he says, Am I? He says, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. That means, Look at the fire and the wood. But where is the lamp for a burnt offering? <laughs> it's not a place you want to be. We have come, we have traveled all the way, we have come to this mountain. And I see the fire, I see the wood. But where is the lamb? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Wow! The only son that he loves, and God knows that he loved his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do, thy any, neither do thou anything unto him. For now, this is where you need to pay attention. He said, For now, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Amen. Amen. And I want you to see how God is stretching on thy son, thine only son. He says, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket of his tongue, of his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Amen. Amen. This is the reason why this place now is a very major place. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, and said Myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and has not withheld thy son. Which son? Thine only son. You know, sometimes you say, this is my only dollar. This is my only $20. This is my only this. This is my only job. This is my only Sunday that I can work. This is my only day that I can take this course. And when God sees that you let go, Recently, a brother was sharing with me. They were telling him, you are going to work this day. 
from now on, you are going to work Sundays. And then he told his boss, he says, if that is what you want, then I quit. Because I do an important thing in my church, and I cannot work on Sundays. So if you cannot change it, then I can't work here anymore. See, when you do such a thing, and you do something like this to the Lord, as Abraham did, he says, by myself have I sworn, say the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. Wow. He says, in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sun which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, so you see, in Abraham's case, it was in multiplying. Now, it is seeds. His children. Do you understand? He will multiply his children. He will bless him and he will give him many children. He will multiply his seeds. You see, when God wants to multiply anything in your life, he will take that thing from you to see how you will let that thing go. When God wants to bless you with a great job, he will take a job from you. And see how easily you will let that job go for his sake. And he says, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld from him your only son, whom thou lovest, then he says, in blessing I will bless you. When God sees that it is not difficult for you to part, in blessing he will bless you. Because not many people can handle blessings. Not many people can handle wealth. But when God sees that it is easy for you to part, in blessing he will bless you. He blessed Abraham and he multiplied his seeds. So when God sees that it is not also difficult for you to part with money, in multiplying he will multiply money unto you. You will receive multiplication of money as it is becoming easier for you to part with. May the Lord deliver you from holding tightly unto money. May the Lord deliver you from holding tightly unto children. Sometimes you hold too tightly unto your children. And because of them, you can't even do anything for God. But when you release, when you release to the Lord, he will multiply you. When you release your husband, God will multiply him. God will make him a greater husband to you. Amen. Some of you, you don't like your wives to do work in the church. You don't like your husband to work in the church. But when you release them to the Lord, then he sees that, he sees that you don't hold anything from him. Then in multiplying, he will multiply you. And in blessing, he will bless you. May the Lord deliver you from stinginess. May the Lord deliver you from holding tight onto things that are dear to you. Things that are precious to you. Some of you, your, your job is too precious to you. And you do anything to keep your job. But when God sees that, you can easily part with your job. Let it be that when it's about work, it's about church, and it comes to your work, you rather part with it and believe that God will bless you. I say God will bless you. When it's a class that you cannot take, the professor says, you can't take this class as, uh, except on Sunday. And you say, then if it is this only Sunday that I'll take this class, then I will let it go. I will, I will finish my, grad, my graduation some other time. 
God will make a way for you that will baffle you. It will surprise you. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So learn to give freely to the Lord. Learn not to withhold anything. If something comes to you, and oftentimes the things that we hold tightly are the things that we suffer before we get. We suffer before we receive. Do you understand? Your, 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 your nursing degree is so important to you because you suffer before you got it. Do you understand? So your boss says, come today, you say, I'm here. Come Sunday, you are here. Come this day, you are there. Come this day, you are here. Reverend, I couldn't come because this. Reverend, I couldn't do this because of this. Lord, and you say, Lord, that Lord understands. God does not understand that this child is too dear to you. God knows that he's the only son that you love so much, but he's asking. You can't say that, God, why don't you take this Ishmael? You know? God knows that there's Ishmael, but he asked for Isaac, the one that you love dearly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and when God sees that it is easy for you to part with the Isaac, he says, in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. May the Lord multiply you and bless you and establish you in the place where he has brought you. May the Lord increase you as far as your finances are concerned. May the Lord increase you. May the Lord make you wealthy in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you on every side. May the Lord multiply you on every side. He says, in blessing I will bless you. May the Lord bless you as he sees that you will not withhold from him. May the Lord multiply you in the name of Jesus. He will overwhelm you. May you come to a place where you say, enough, oh God. May you come to that place in the name of Jesus. Father, bless your children. Increase them. He who had begun a good work in you, he says that he will complete it. He will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. May the Lord multiply your children and increase you on every side in the name of Jesus. Receive the blessings of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands together for Jesus. I'm grateful. We thank you, Lord, for delivering us from stinginess. We thank you, Father, for delivering us from holding on to dearly the things that you have given us. Lord, thank you for setting us free from holding dearly onto the things that you have blessed us with. The things that we have sought after and you have given us. Lord, we thank you that we are not holding dearly onto them. We are not holding tightly onto them. But tonight, Lord, we have learned to be to be generous. We have learned, oh Lord, to give sparingly. We have learned, oh God, that we will scatter. For we know, God, that when we scatter, we increase. And when we withhold, we decrease. Tonight, Lord, we thank you that we are not holding tightly onto anything. But we give ourselves to you. We give out everything that you will request of us. Give us the spirit of Abraham. That when you call us, we will rise up early. May we not come to you when we are too old. May we not come to you when we can no longer work for you. But Lord, may we come early. May we rise up early. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now with all eyes closed, every head bow. You are here tonight. You are not born again. You want to 
come to Jesus, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. If that is your prayer, with all eyes closed and every head bowed, wherever you are, just lift up your right hand high up and I'll pray with you. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone here like that? You want to give yourself, your life to Jesus? You want to welcome Jesus into your life? Anyone here like that? Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. Why don't you say this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Tonight, I come to you just as I am. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me with your blood. Wash me with your blood. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Please be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior. Please write my name in the book of life. From tonight, I will serve you the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you clap your hands together for Jesus? Hallelujah. We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Rev. Brian Nkrumah, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North Podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.